2: Joe, we are live. What's up, everybody? October eighth edition of the Fightful MMA podcast. We are recapping UFC 216. We're going to recap Bellator as well. Bellator 184 with tonight. What an absolutely crazy evening. Joined as always by Sean Rossap. Sean Rossap, before we get into anything, I need to know what your reaction was when Demetrius Johnson did what he did to end that fight.
0: I thought, yeah, I've seen that before from Matt Riddle in a pro
2: wrestling match but not in a real mixed martial arts fight. I mean, that was absolutely like
0: the days of Pancrace when you never know what's real and what's not real. We'll talk about it as, as we get to the fight, but uh, that was a, such a one-sided dominant show off performance because as that fight went on, I was thinking, why, why isn't he doing this? Why isn't he doing this? But we found out later and we, we will
2: talk about that. Of course. Absolutely. But the main event this evening, we'll talk about the main event, of course, Tony Ferguson taking on Kevin Lee. Uh, I'm not sure if you missed it, Tony Ferguson, or um, uh, when Joe Rogan was doing the actual interview, he called Kevin Tony as he was wrapping up the interview. So kind of felt bad for Kevin Lee there. Uh, But hey, Tony Ferguson emerges victorious. He is now the interim lightweight champion for the UFC. Uh, Kevin Lee, you can tell he burned out after that first round. Lucky he didn't get a point deducted uh, after throwing that punch when that when the horn sounded. Uh, was a game opponent did what he had to do. Obviously was very dominant uh, in round one. I I gave him a ten eight in round one. I'm pretty sure you did as well. Uh, but that was it. He, it just sucked the wind out of him. Uh, he didn't have anything left as the fight continued in the third round. Tony secures the uh, the triangle choke. It wasn't even a uh, you know a, a technical triangle choke per se, where the arm is across the body. He had it on the other side. Side, a yeah mission um talk about the fight when you thought it went down. It is
0: unfortunate that is that it is becoming remarkably common for u f c champions and some often challengers, not people who go in as champion, but people who are contending for a title in the u f c to come in to fight week completely unprepared. This was one of those situations uh tony or Kevin Lee came in with what we saw was staff. We we saw it. That probably affected his weight cut, which, uh, you know, at least it's, it's an if it's going to happen, at least it's an injury we can see. It's not something that he can make up or anything like that. Uh, shocking that he was allowed to fight with staff, honestly. But we've seen this happen several times this year. We saw it with Ray Borg last month. We saw it with Rumble Johnson earlier this year when he showed up in his head was was not in the game. Uh, we saw it with Habib earlier this year. Like this happens over and over and over again. Uh, Amanda Nunes showed up sick heading into a fight camp. Now uh, or heading into fight week. Now that that happened more towards the fight, but this is something that we see a lot of. And I know one thing: if he's dealing with staff, he sure as hell shouldn't be 19 pounds over the day before. No, it should be a little bit. Now you do most of your cutting in the last day anyway. But if you've got staff, you got to make it a little more manageable. Still, I think Kevin Lee is forever one win away from being in a title fight now. He showed that he could hang with Tony Ferguson. Now, we don't know how well he could have really hung had he come into this fight healthy, had a a smarter fight week, uh, things like that. But he showed that he has tools that could beat Tony Ferguson somewhere down the line. I would have loved to have seen this fight at 165 pounds. If both men were at 165 pounds, I would have loved that. But Tony Ferguson, as we've mentioned, uh, we mentioned on Tuesday's Holy Smokes podcast, finds ways to turn terrible situations into great ones. He got put on his back and it looked like that third round was going to be taken from him. And if that first round was 10 eight, like, like you and I think it was, that could have been real bad. Because if it did go the distance, Tony Ferguson could have been looking at a draw, perhaps, if, if that happened. Because I really don't think that Kevin Lee's going to win rounds four or five, uh, given, given his condition. But as soon as Ferguson hit the ground, elbows, 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 and then when uh, Kevin Lee's posture would change, he would switch. He would go to arm bars. He would go to triangles. He would go to mission control. He would try to switch even to an omoplata just to threaten or hold him in position. There were a lot like Tony Ferguson, man. Like, that guy is such a weird effing dude. But yes, it Pink. pays off. It pays off in almost every situation for him because him being way out there, Joe, leads him to being way more open minded about his training and his abilities.
2: Uh, so, actually, when Joe Rogan mentioned it uh, somewhere throughout the broadcast, calling tony ferguson weird i thought you know it was just me because i've interviewed tony a few times and, and during the interviews especially the first one i ever did with him even at the end of the interviews i was like this guy's weird he's just a weird dude like this none of this makes sense like he's, he's on a different sort of like where are you a different plane like where are you coming from and then i'm looking at this the tony ferguson that competed in the octagon tonight it was as if i felt to me correct me if i'm wrong it was like the first time i've ever seen him fight because nothing he did looked like what you should be doing as a boxer as a Muay Thai fighter with the exception of his ground game his ground game is 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 very very technical but his striking looked weird the way he everything he was throwing i mean any boxing coach or Muay Thai coach or striking coach in general would look and like that's that's the interim champ that guy can't strike for nothing but it works it's the beauty of MMA because
0: if you go to a boxing coach, they would say, well, that's, that's bad. But in MMA, that's what I love so much about it. There are so many different aspects. I mean, we've seen him get waist-locked, and he immediately jumps and somersaults out of it.
2: Yes, and yes. That's,
0: and normally, maybe a wrestling coach would think, uh, don't do that, especially because that results in you putting your back on the mat. Well, in MMA, it doesn't matter if your back's on the mat. You're not getting, you're not getting pinned for a count. So Tony Ferguson being able to step outside not only his comfort zone, but everybody else's comfort zone. Because if he's stepping outside of his comfort zone, it's got to be way outside of somebody else's comfort zone.
2: Absolutely. Guys, th- I,
0: go ahead, sir, go ahead. I thought Lee showed a lot of promise. I did feel like that if he wanted to win this fight, that he was going to have to finish it, though, after that first round. Because he slowed down in the second. His hands were down in the second. He still threw some stuff with with – uh some power behind his kicks but mm, it's unfortunate and after the fight tony's call out oh. maybe give him something they can use on tv tony like even nate gave him like a good 3 seconds that they could use
2: i I, mean, I wanted to tweet something afterwards to say well this is not going to be a classy reign cuz that was pretty much classless I yeah. mean, how about showing a little bit of class? Like, you are now a champion. Uh, I'm not telling telling the guy how to how to live his life or how to how to choose his words or whatever, but it's not a good look, son. I, I don't believe that's a good look. I mean, am I wrong, Sean? It's, not, it's guys on the forum. Don't forget, if you're listening in right now, guys, ladies and gentlemen, I mean, top right of your screen on the YouTube page, the, there's our live chat. Excuse me. Am I wrong? Like, it's not a good look. No, it, it's not a good look. Uh, I'm sure he was excited. It's been a roller
0: coaster week for him emotionally. I'm sure of it. So yeah, I mean, I, I typically, I, you know, I get over that type of stuff. I'm sure he'll be much more subdued at the press conference. And I don't know. I think I think he will. I think he will.
2: <laughs> I'll tell you and this, guys. He, he, did,
0: he did call out Conor McGregor, calling him McNugget. Why? That's so corny. Yeah, That's so corny.
2: I'll tell you this though: Conor and Tony are both managed by the same guy in the same group. Yeah. Uh, so an interesting scenario there. Uh, obviously. Other perhaps to both of them, uh but uh, to and, and and paradigm, you know all they see is just
0: well i'll I'll say this, I'll say this if if that fight happens, which I hope it does, because that is the fight to make, if Tony Ferguson is in a position where he was to to arm bar kevin lee he's he's tapping conor McGregor with that, however if Conor McGregor is in a position to hit Tony Ferguson 121 times like Dos Anjos did or 40 times like a far less skilled Lando Venata did, I don't think Tony's going to weather that. Like that type of power that Conor McGregor has, like can't really, you know, Nate Diaz was able to weather those shots. Sure. Maybe, maybe Tony's like that, but I mean, I just get the feeling that with Tony's fights, well, his fight style changes from fight to fight, so who knows. But with the way that he fought tonight, I I feel like if he got caught with one of those shots from McGregor, it'd be bad news. But if McGregor were in that position that Kevin Lee was in early in the fight with the arm bar, he ain't getting out either. So
2: No. Uh, but in speaking about Conor McGregor, is that the next fight? you think the UFC will put that fight on? I I don't think they will. I think that Nate Diaz fights what's going to happen for Conor. I know people are going to think, no, 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 no. Tony's the interim champ, and it's fresh in everyone's mind right now. Uh, you know, And Tony calling him what he did and, and saying what he said afterwards. Uh, uh, defender vacate, I think he said. that. That's not how it works. It's, it's not going to work that way. The UFC will do pretty much whatever Conor asked them to do because uh, he's the money fight. He's the guy that brings in the money. Tony Ferguson does not bring any money. We'll see how many pay-per-view buys uh, this sold. Uh, but at the same time, he, he's it, it's Conor McGregor's going to call the shots. And I think it's going to be the Nate Diaz fight, no matter what Tony says or does.
0: So, yeah, let's make it clear. It isn't what the UFC wants to put on. It's what Conor McGregor wants to put on. And if I, I believe Kevin Lee's going to be a big star. I really do. He's 25 years old. He's got a lot of – he's going to be fighting well after Tony Ferguson is out of the sport and wouldn't shock me to see them fight again – Initially, when Kevin Lee showed up and he was blown weight, I was like, man, I really want that 165 division, and I still do. But if he had staph infection going into this, a little different for me. He's never missed weight before. That being said, uh, with the McGregor-Ferguson thing, it depends on what kind of buzz Ferguson gets following this fight
2: as much as it was Yeah. Have you seen anything from Nate Diaz at all? Uh, regarding the Conor McGregor stuff on social media or anything in general? Nah. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of surprised about that. I think you should... sub. I mean, we all know that, that the sentiment going around right now is Nate Diaz may price himself out of that fight. And I think Dana White will draw the line. That's one thing that may happen. He may draw the line and that might push Tony Ferguson into that fight with Conor McGregor uh, unless they get a deal scored in Russia. We'll see if that was to happen. But um that would be Habib right there. But...
0: Well, I don't so, think Andrew
2: getting a title shot anytime soon until he can show proves he can show up and make weight. I think I he's out of the picture until then. I don't think, but I, I'll tell you this: I don't believe he's out of the picture if the money's there, and that money in Russia would be huge. I just i I think from a UFC perspective,
0: they want him to show up and make the weight. Uh, they wanted to do him versus Ferguson, but and and maybe they could do that. That would be another good one. But
2: that I'd like to see. Mm. Put that as the cool main event. Yeah, yeah. We'll see. We'll see. Um, anything else you want to talk about that main event? I liked it.
0: I thought it was a great fight. It, halfway through that first round, it was so exciting. Both men got got clipped. That was that was incredible. That was badass. I, I really like that. I would love to see them fight again. That's just it's just unfortunate again that it's a UFC main event. And Even though it delivered and it was good and it led to a great moment. It was a really, really great fighter who has shown, like, who hasn't been beaten recently. Facing a guy who was not hundred percent,
2: and I hate that. The live chat saying that. they don't want to hear about Habib. Don't mention Habib. He shouldn't be in the conversation, yeah. guys. I'm telling you right now, he's in the conversation. I'm telling you right now. Yeah. Take my word for it. He is in the conversation. Don't, don't think that just because Tony won that interim title. Habib, trust me, Habib is in the conversation. If that, if that, um, let's say Florida, if that Russia event gets taken care of or gets done, you mark my words because Conor knows who, just, I'm just, I don't know, not, I won't be able to say anything else, but mark my words. Habib is in the conversation. i like it to be, I, I'm a traditionalist. I'd like to see Conor McGregor defend the title against now the interim champ. That makes sense, but it, it's also 2017. Yeah. And like anything in, in, in combat sports, boxing, or MMA in general, the money fight rules. And that's Nate Diaz. The right fight to do is Tony Ferguson. The other money fight is in Russia with Habib number So. Sure. Um, really quickly, guys
0: head over to fightful.com. Uh, if you've never been to the site and you're just checking out this podcast for the first time, we have tons of podcasts, uh, on the MMA side with myself, Joe, James Lynch on the wrestling side. We've got post raw SmackDown post pay-per-view shows, uh, a Wednesday flagship show, The Listen, You Boy, where the Fightful.com founder and myself, uh, we do a little bit of everything, it's more of a variety wrestling show, but we have pro wrestling, MMA and boxing, news, photos, videos, podcasts, forums, I love those forums, and I love talking to you all in those forums, uh, go over there and you can talk video games, sports, entertainment, uh, and of course MMA, pro wrestling, boxing, we have broken a ton of news since launching last year, uh, so... We're really a one-stop shop for everything. You can get all your news from all three sports there. We have a great boxing newsletter. We have a list of upcoming events on our page. We have podcasts ready to play on the page while you surf. And, of course, live coverage and discussion. You can go there, discuss the show uh, with your friends, with us, a little bit of everybody. Make sure to subscribe to us, iTunes, Stitcher, YouTube, Player FM, all that stuff too so I can stop giving you the plugs. Also, if you all don't mind, share our stories, Reddit, Facebook, Twitter, just make sure you follow uh,
2: Reddit, Facebook, Twitter rules in doing so. All right, before we move on to the co-main event, uh, everybody in the live chat right now, I need an either a yes. I know there's a little bit of a delay by the time we get to the live chat, Sean, but I just want you guys to type yes or no. Sean Rossap, if you were the referee, would you have taken away a point from Kevin Lee at the end of that first round?
0: Uh, No, I would have warned him.
2: I would have taken away a point. Well, you're Canadian, so. Yes, and we're supposed to be the good guys. Yeah. We're the good guys. Uh, and I say yes because it's unsportsmanlike conduct. You can't do that after the bill. and You know that. And I know he's in there, and I know for a fact that the adrenaline is there, a lot of emotion, but you still got to be professional. And to do that while the referee is there, and he went for his first one, maybe you could say, you know what, no. But he went for a second one while Herb Dean was there. Point taken. Sorry. And it would have still been a 10-9 round. Maybe yeah. not in Vegas or Nevada, but it's still a 10-9 round. All right. Let's get to the co-main event. And before we talk about the absolute epicness that is Demetrius Muddy Mouse Johnson breaking a record. Before the fight commenced, I tweeted out, hope you're watching you, hashtag UFC 216, as up next, we may be able to witness history. At Muddy Mouse, UFC could set a new championship defense record. Now, I got two tweets. Back, but two of them stuck out. And I'm not here, I'm not going to give their names, I'm not here to disparage them, but I just want to get your thoughts. I want to know what your reaction would have been if these came in on your timeline. Someone replied to me, he also sets records for most people sleeping during a championship fight. He's the least watched of uh, most defense fights. Well, first off, you should
0: tell Robert Whitaker and Yoel Romero that because their pay per view did less. First off, Uh hey, UFC hasn't marketed this guy, and I don't know why. He's a guy that could beat up people three times his size on the street. He is a a gamer with with a good following, and he does stuff that you see in video games, or that I have only recently seen in Matt Riddle or Kyle O'Reilly pro wrestling <laughs> matches. He German suplexed the guy into an arm bar. We'll get to that. We'll get to that. Hold on. This is before
2: the fight. This is before the fight. Sure. Okay? And oh, I'm, before. I'm... What a dipshit. Not you. Them. Thank you. And this is another one before the fight. Mighty Mouse is amazing. Probably top 10. But when he didn't want to fight TJ and, pegged to, and picked to fight Borg for his record-breaking fight, I lost any respect I had for him. He ducked the biggest fight he could have had and went for Borg instead, a guy who missed weight three out of six of his last fights. This is before the fight. He said, Mighty Mouse was amazing, probably a top ten fighter."
0: Joe, how how many times did 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 uh, Dillashaw and Faber avoid fighting one another?
2: Yes, numerous for for years. For a while, it happened. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. So I, I think to myself sometimes I don't. I try not to engage because there, obviously there's much more to the story uh, with the TJ or, or with uh, Mighty Mouse not taking the TJ fight. Uh, there was some financial consideration. He's he's. It was a legit request. Hey, listen, make one twenty-five. It is a big fight, but if I'm Demetrius Johnson and I'm about to set the record, I'm a prize fighter. I'm taking Ray Bork. Give me I'll a prize. prize. Give me a prize. There's my prize. Now, now I've set the record. Now we can go for some big, money fights, which would be TJ Dillashaw or potentially Cody Garbrandt. Depends on what happens over there. Now we get to Demetrius Johnson. And off air, before we came on the air, you and I were discussing – I mean, we didn't even say hello to each other. We basically said Muddy Mouse right away. This is a guy that has whatever limb or joint he has on his body, he's going to use it to hit you with it. He's going to throw strikes or something from angles that should never be happening. I think you tweeted it at one point. He's in positions to get kneed, and he's doing the kneeing. I mean, the guy is an absolutely magical mixed martial artist. The guy is near perfect in everything he does. He's a fantastic fighter, and I've, I I can't even count. I mean, I'm probably on one hand, I could count the times I've jumped out of my couch or uh, out of my seat when I saw something happening. I was beholding something special, and for him to pick up Ray Borg fake like he's going to suplex him and in midair, catch the arm or set up the arm bar, then get to finish is, is arguably one of the most amazing things I've ever seen in mixed martial arts. And I've been watching this since UFC one in November of 1993. He jobbed Ray Borg out
0: hard, hard Joe, like through this fight, I probably if you go back to my timeline or the Fightful MMA timeline, follow us at Fightful MMA. You probably see me saying he missed a choke, he missed a choke, he missed the choke, probably like six times. And that was about half of the chokes that Demetrius Mighty Mouse Johnson missed. It would have been poetic if Demetrius Johnson had submitted Rayboard, who went off on me on Twitter last month, with a Von Flu choke. Of all things. I thought it was happening. Oh, oh. I did too because Ray Borg left him open to do that about five or six times. Yep. Had that been OSP at 125 pounds, there would have been six Von Flu chokes there. Demetrius Johnson didn't want to Von Flu choke him. That's it. At first I was like, "There's how is he missing this? How is he missing this? He's missing it because he wanted to miss it. That's why he missed it. That's why he missed it. That's why he missed the rear naked choke when he had the arm already under the chin of Ray Borg on his hip. All he had to do was turn sideways, lock it on. He didn't want to. When he had a guillotine attempt, like he had probably four or five different guillotine opportunities. He didn't want to. Why is that, Joe?
2: Because <laughs> he can do whatever
0: it he It didn't wants. look cool enough. Exactly. It wasn't cool enough it was not cool enough in pro wrestling. We call that being a spot monkey where <laughs> you don't worry about the, the, the headlocks and the wrist locks. You worry about the flips and the dives and the, the elbow drops off the top rope and all that stuff. Uh, Demetrius mighty mouse Johnson just did what he wanted. Like it, it reminded me a lot of like the horror Gucci fight where he taps him with one second left. Oh, there you go. There's your finish or where he stood Cejudo up and kneed him repeatedly and said, yeah, good good one, cute cute try. That was this. And Ray Borg had a couple of flashes of brilliance. He had a guillotine attempt that got uh, Demetrius Johnson's attention, undivided attention, which I think says a lot, because Demetrius was like, okay, I'm not going to let him clamp down on this one. He landed a takedown, which, I mean, people take down Demetrius all the time. He had a big takedown, I think, in the third round but uh that was unbelievable that was awesome and how do you not market this guy how do you not do it you've got finish after finish after finish to put on a highlight reel I would play up how small he is that's part of his appeal is that he is so small and he just drills these people he just dominates them you have a German suplex into an arm bar, Joe. You have another arm bar in his last fight. You have him kneeing Cejudo repeatedly. You have an arm bar with one second left. You have uh, a double wrist lock over Carrioso. You have him knocking out Benavidez. It's just, oh, <sighs> man. And as Stone Osborne said, they messed up his sponsorship with Xbox One.
2: Yeah, that's right. What should the UFC do now with this guy?
0: Well, I'll put it like, you know, there are going to be those people that are like, well, he avoided a fight with T.J. Dillashaw. I'll hit you all with an Angry Beavers reference here, guys. Demetrius Johnson didn't want the Tobot to fight T.J. Dillashaw. He wanted the Street Sweeper. And the UFC needed to clip a few more cereal box tops in order to make that happen. And they just weren't willing to do it. So Demetrius said, sorry, sorry. Now maybe they'll take a look at it and change it because like you hear him talk about his contract and the way that things were this week. And you're like, really? Never pay-per-view points? I get it. The pay-per-views were low. But at some point, it's like when Derek Jeter got that really big contract after he was in his prime. It's for services rendered. Like he's the one of the greatest fighters of all time, if not the greatest.
2: Yeah, I mean he's he's up there at the GO conversation for sure. Uh, And we can say we can look at his opponents and say, well, he hasn't fought this guy, he hasn't fought that guy, blah blah blah. blah, Or look at the caliber of opponents he's fought. Tough guys, man. He's fought really good guys. uh, And the guys that you know, we, we may look back one day, and maybe today we're saying, well, Ray Borg, it's Ray Borg. We may look back one day at Demetrius Johnson defeating Ray Borg, and if Ray Borg goes on this incredible victory spree. We will look back and appreciate this victory way more than we are right now, especially the way he defeated him. The guy, the guy yeah. is something else. I mean, Demetrius Mighty Johnson is something else. But now the question is what is next for Demetrius Johnson? Will he fight the winner of TJ Dillashaw and Cody Garbrandt because Dominic Cruz uh is taking on Jimmy Rivera. That's supposed to be the next winner. They they're supposed to fight for that title. Where does Demetrius Johnson go from here? I think he faces the
0: winner of Cejudo, Sergio Pettis. I think that's what happened. Uh, I don't know if Pettis wins that after the way that Cejudo looked in his last fight. He looked real good, man. I never thought Cejudo was going to get back to a title shot after he lost the first time. And the way his hands looked against Benavidez impressed me. And then the, the
2: leap that he made after that was just incredible. The question is, though, if he does emerge victorious, and I think he will emerge victorious versus Pettis as well, We've seen the fight with Demetrius Johnson. We've seen it, right? We, we, we almost know that Demetrius may do that again. Not exactly the same way. Maybe he can. Maybe he will. He does whatever he wants. But for Demetrius Johnson's sake, I think he wants a bigger fight. Now, if Sergio Pettis wins, we haven't seen that fight. And we all know that Demetrius Johnson will probably take out Sergio Pettis, but at least it's an opponent he hasn't faced off against. Problem is, it's not Cody Garbrand, It's not TJ Dillashaw. We have seen Demetrius fight against Dominic Cruz. That's the last man to defeat him, if I'm not mistaken.
0: How much will that fight really draw, though? We're talking Mighty Mouse, TJ Dillashaw. We're talking maybe, what, 275, 300? Could be a co-main event. It could be a co-main event. You know what? They threw that on threw
2: that on a Connor card. I was just going to say the same thing, same thing.
0: And get Mighty Mouse uh, one of those badass paydays. I think that would be a very nice thing to do, which, I mean... And and some exposure too. There's that too. Ah, it's hard to say, man. It's really hard to say. But we spent half an
2: hour on these just top two fights. Well, I think they deserve it. I they think they do. They, they do. It was it. incredible. Let's go through the other ones. Uh Fabricio Verdum Doom uh takes on Derek Lewis. Oh no, he doesn't. He took on Walt Harris. What happened there? Derek Lewis, his back seized up.
0: Not a good time. No, that he withdrew, time. and and I'll give Derek Lewis credit. He got in pretty good shape for this fight, all things considered. He was he switched to a vegan diet, which they kind of poked fun at. He and his his nutritionist <laughs> fun embedded. I thought it was hilarious. He is a very funny dude when he wants to be. Walt I'm Harris. warming up
2: to him. I'm really warming up to Derek yeah. Lewis. I just you know the whole Ronda Rousey thing pissed me off, but you know what. They okay. said,
0: why'd you come back? And he said, they weren't hiring any more porn actors. Okay. Well, <laughs> Walt Harris stepped up, and he lasted about a minute with Farisha Verdum. And I, you know what, honestly, probably about as long as Derek Lewis was going to last tonight too then, because I liked Walt Harris about as much to beat Verdum as, as I did Derek Lewis. And the thing is, Walt Harris had to pull out of his fight against Mark Godbeer to make this happen. One, it endeared him to the UFC. It endeared Verdum to the UFC. That's good. It got Verdum a win. And if Walt Harris wants to fight Mark Godbeer in like Poland in a couple of weeks, he's good get to go.
2: Done. Yep, get her done. Um, I, I, I the, the weird thing is, uh, I got beef with Demetrius Johnson. I want to, I'm going to message him. I'm going to text him because he, he pissed me off. Uh, Demetrius Johnson said he was going to win the fight in the fourth round. Mm-hmm. So I'm not buying this, 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 this fake suplex. Uh, into an arm bar no i don't like it demetrius you said fourth round i put it on my fun bets my fun bets video said specifically there's no value in demetrius johnson unless you unless you pick him winning in the fourth round i also said for beats for doom uh we all think of heavyweights and when every time we think of heavyweights someone's getting knocked out i said not in this fight you want a good fun bet you take for beats for doom via submission because it pays damn well oh yeah and then that fight gets thrown out the window there goes that option but then walt harris comes in and what does for bitchy for doom do taps him out
0: Yep, can't win in quick fashion uh, both of them could fight in a couple months or and uh, both of them could fight in two weeks if they wanted to oh I love that's it. that's the beauty of the heavyweight is if something falls out like this joe you can do that you can you can pick somebody else off the card um when now this fight was very insignificant, all things speaking. Well, I guess not, since it's a flyweight fight. We have an Italian woman against
2: a Titan champion. <laughs> Who are you pulling for there, Joe? It was. It, it was. I I, had, I couldn't. I was biased both ways. Obviously, I, my my love for Titan because I work for Titan. I do the play by play, and then my heritage with an Italian woman coming in and fighting Calendra, and I'm just kind of like. Do
0: you speak Italian?
2: <laughs> I when I was that post fight interview, ah. I was just kind of like. Oh my God, there's so much being lost in translation. And I thought to myself, if there's an influx of Italian fighters to ever make it to the UFC, I'm texting Dana. I'm texting somebody. I'm like, yo, bring me down, fly me down. I will do the translation for you because what happened tonight, it was, it was go from, it would go from Joe Rogan talking English. It would get translated in half Portuguese, half Spanish. She would have to then translate that. She would respond in Italian. This is Mauro Romero Borella, uh, Borella
1: Call quickgrainger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.
2: He responded in Italian, and that translation would come back, and it was completely lost when he would then say it in English. And I'm yeah. like, that's not what she said. There's more emotion in that. What she said was there's more emotion. There's, it's, it's more beautiful the way she said it. You didn't say it right, man. You can't do that to an Italian. Come on. I will say this is the best I've seen her look in,
0: like, two and a half years. She's been remarkably active. And ironically, when she last looked this good, she went on, like, a three-fight losing streak after that. Uh,
2: Good to have some Italian blood in the UFC. She She looked looked fantastic. She looked amazing. And she did it against a fighter, Sean, who went five rounds with Karina Dom. Like, that's – you know, I know Karina Dom isn't on the UFC level sort of thing anymore, but – Khalidra Faria is tough and she did that too. It was amazing. I just
0: want to say that <laughs> I think it's hilarious that Paige Van Zandt and Jessica, I falling out, got like three women signed, <laughs> Got like three women nurse. signed at the UFC. It I got, Faria, it got, uh, Morella, as you say, and yeah. Andrea Lee. So <laughs> you got three new flow, three girls who probably should be in the UFC anyway. So there, there you go there. Um, we had a few three back-to-back-to-back fights that uh, were across the lightweight and bantamweight division. A prospect fight that ended in a split decision, and then two draws that <laughs> provided no clarity in the lightweight division at all. Because, and it's funny because I said this whole year it's been like nothing. It's like everything stood still. McGregor didn't fight. Habib didn't fight. Ferguson didn't fight until tonight. Nate Diaz didn't fight. Earlier this year, you had an Alvarez-Poirier fight that might as well have not happened because it was a no contest. Like you have the... And Kiesa got beat. Kiesa and Lee was maybe the most significant top 10 fight in the UFC UFC lightweight division this year. Maybe. Well, yeah, it was the most significant. But then you have Vinata Green put on an awesome fight, which we'll talk about a little bit. Darius Dunham... A draw. Did you did you have that a draw? Either one of those draw? You're muted.
2: You got your mute on. My apologies. Uh, Lando Venata screwed up. He screwed up big time. Yes, uh, he did. He had that finish. Bobby Green was done in the first round. Lando caught him. He went in there for the fin- finish, and I, I guess we can call it overzealous. Threw that knee, and he knew right away. As soon as he threw the knee, he was like, what did I just do? And it screwed everything up. It screwed everything up because that would have been a nice little victory for him. It would have been a first round victory over a guy that's been around the UC for quite some time. Uh, and ended up, you know, biting him in the ass, ended up being a, you know, a split draw in the end. So Lando really screwed that up and live and learn, live and learn. He's a fantastic yeah. fighter. He's one of our favorites here. Uh, as for, for Dariush and Dunham. Yeah, that could have went either way, man. I, I when, when they announced the draw, I was like, yeah, yeah I could see it. Yeah. Uh, both men in the Venata
0: Green fight were like, yep, that was a draw, all things considered. <laughs> you never see that. Like, they were just like, yeah. Yeah. Also, on the, the prelims, I wanted to mention Brad Tavares had Talis Latest hurt real early. And it's super weird that he just, you can tell this guy hasn't finished a fight since 2011. And I mean January 1st, 2011, practically 2010, because he didn't follow up at all all and he's going to stay buried on those fight pass prelims until he does I think because I don't think they now that he, he busted up Talos Leite really good and that's a great win but I can't believe he didn't follow up after that uh, John Moraga followed up holy <laughs> cow this was beautiful matchmaking I thought an up and coming prospect against a guy who looked like he was declining and was a former title challenger you test both
2: and you see which one prevails and it was John Moraga. You ever get a weird feeling sometimes when you do see that guy that is on his way out of the UFC and he derails the hype train of a young up-and-coming fighter? You ever get that feeling? You're like, yeah, you know what? You deserve that. Good for you. Because there's times you look at the up-and-comer and it's like, oh, he's got no business fighting that guy. And he destroys him. And you're like, good for you. Keep going, son. I felt good for John Moraga. I felt really good for John Moraga. Take nothing away from his opponent. Felt really good for John Moraga because you know what? He, you know, he, he's hardcore, you know. And and I, listen, you got to give kudos to Daniel Cormier for that post-fight interview because Moraga was giving him nothing. And I've been there. I've been there on numerous occasions interviewing someone. Uh, I won't name names. Uh, I did a half an hour show with a fighter, big name fighter. And it was torture, torture yeah. to the point. We were st- we couldn't get him out of Sportsnet quick enough, into the cab, be on your merry way. You will never be on the show again. That was the worst show I've ever done. I've been there, and Daniel Cormier did a fantastic job corralling John Moraga. Come on, son. He was emotional. He was emotional, very emotional, and just didn't want to say much. Uh, knew the pressure he was under. Just wanted to go on with his family and kids. But DC did a fantastic job finally getting something out of him uh in the end. So good for DC, and I'm very happy for John Moraga. Yeah, that was that was a big, big win for John Moraga because
0: yeah, he he always loses to those top flight guys. It's almost it's very much the Evan Dunham thing that we mentioned. When he faces these top guys, he has trouble. There they, he's beaten a couple of them. He's beaten Justin Scoggins, Chris Carriaso, Dustin Ortiz, some guys who have shown. Flashes of brilliance, but he, he's lost to tip-top guys, and he needed to win this fight. He is the gatekeeper of that division. That's what he is. Uh, speaking of that division, Matt Schnell saved his job, uh, and the same can't be said for his opponent. I would imagine that Marco Beltran is dunzo in the UFC after three straight losses.
2: Yeah, I concur. I absolutely concur. I mean... <laughs> It's tough when you start seeing stuff like that, but you know it's, that 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 fight there, I was just kind of like, oh my god, like, is, these, is this? Do they realize what's happening here? Like, guys, you, you got to be more exciting. Come on, like, we got to yeah. pick up the pace here. Um, even in the even the, in the Botello Gonzalez fight, Pearl Gonzalez to me looked like she's got skills, but it's like you, you don't belong in that straw. You don't belong in the UFC right now. There's some stuff that you need to work on. I mean, am I wrong in that assessment? I'm completely with you. So completely. I mean, yeah, I mean, great girl. Talked to her in Buffalo, and um, you know, during implant gate or whatever. She's Just a great girl, but the skill set just did not come across. I mean, just the way she was striking, the way her, her feet were moving, and I'm like, I know you're a better fighter than that, but not. I'm, I'm, the display tonight isn't looking very good. That's at why I'm all. telling women in our area. If you, hey, are you college age, even a little bit
0: after? Do you play basketball, volleyball? Not not going pro in it. Give MMA a try. You might end up in the UFC in a couple of years. And I'm dead serious. There's a real opportunity for women who have a natural athletic base and good footwork to make an almost immediate impact in in mixed martial arts. Like it does not take that long to make it to the UFC. As, as, a, as a woman these days, and that's that's a good thing for, like I said, athletes who are transitioning, even the lower levels like the NAIA and NCCAAs, like the Christian leagues and stuff like that, who have good athletic foundations. I would highly encourage them to give MMA a try.
2: Back in the day, Joe Silva and I, when, when I would talk to Joe Silva, he's like, if you know any heavyweights, women, or flyweights, let me know. Yeah. Now flyweights nowadays just tons of flyweights but I think the adage is still true and this this was back in I'm going to go with holy smoke, 7 7 years ago maybe um if you the, the the adage is kind of true if you if you know a good heavyweight or you know some good women like you just said get in there you can get yeah. to the UFC pretty quick man five or six fights you can get there right you can get five or six fights in in 18 months you know not the greatest for the body but yeah it can happen yeah Uh, Anything else you want to talk about on this card here? No, we will answer questions on the chat
0: as we get them. So, guys, make sure you send those and leave us a thumbs up. That stuff really helps. And get the word out about the uh, podcast. Like I said, Reddit, Twitter, Facebook. But we want you to make sure you follow their guidelines uh, as you do that as well. But, yeah, Bellator last night, I thought it was kind of interesting that (laughs) that uh, the greatest UFC Bantamweight of all time coached Darian Caldwell to a championship win over Bellator's greatest Bantamweight of all time in Eduardo Dantes. And the way that this card unfolded, I think was best for Bellator altogether. And I'll tell you why, Joe, because Pat Curran won, Daniel Strauss lost. Now, you flip it, I think that's fine too. Darian Caldwell wins. Joe Time Anglo loses. You flip that, I think that's fine too. They aren't in the position to book rematches as they are so keen on doing. Yeah. However, Leandro Higo Higo did win. He is the next Pitbull to main event, a Bellator show. Congratulations, Pitbull. Step up and take your main event.
2: But how does he get it, how does he get the nickname Pitbull when his two instructors are named Pitbull? How? Why? Why? It reminds me. I always tell the jokes. I, I I don't like put thought into them. Like, of all the nicknames to choose, first of all, it's bad enough the two brothers are nicknamed Pitbull. Now you trade under them, yeah. but I got to go with the Pitbull nickname as well. I mean, the Pitbull and the Von Flu are just going to follow us. Yes, that's your choice. As,
0: as I said on Twitter, it would have been poetic if Demetrius Johnson. Tapped out Ray Borg, who talked trash to me with a Von Fluchuk, and when I say poetic, it would have been like one of those rhymes you read while you're taking a dump at Walmart on the stall or something like that. That's how poetic it would have been. <laughs> That's so but um, um Higo really he lost to Dantes uh, earlier this year, so you you don't you aren't able to run that one back. I mean, they could they could it was a split decision. If I were them, I wouldn't do that unless they were real bangers though. But Darian called well his frame. He was t- I was talking to him about that about how tall and long he is and he says that he loves leverage and he he'll take that over raw power any day. He did exceptionally well. I thought uh Sanchez defeated Strauss. That's, you know, seeing Strauss lose is sad for me. He is a he's a Cincinnati guy and my one of my trainers has trained with him before and I saw where he's saying that he's probably going to take some time off and evaluate things. I get the but feeling that lot, either he's going to take a full year off or he'll be fighting again in like a month type of thing. You know yeah, what I mean? but listen,
2: he lost to a good guy, man. Emmanuel Sanchez yes. is a gamer. That dude is tough. Well, he he's- trains with CM Punk, so. Touche. Touche. Very good point. Very- <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, the thing is, the
0: only person to beat, the only few people to beat him in the UFC, or the Bellator, Daniel Weichel and uh, Pat Curran. And those both went to the scorecards, as does everything generally that he does, until you get in there with Daniel Strauss. But we see Daniel Strauss
2: fold under pressure a lot. It's strange. It's very strange because he's got this crazy style about him. It's so wacky and funky and just does it just he'll bull rush you if he has to. He'll just hit you with the left hook. That'll drop your your jaw mm-hmm. on the other side of the cage. And and next thing you know, it gets some adversity, and you're like, Is this the turning point? Is this the turning point in the fight? And you know, but listen, Sanchez, man, he he impressed me again. I mean, this this kid's just just absolutely fantastic. And I don't think he truly gets the credit he deserves at 145 pounds. He's a fantastic fighter. Um, so I mean, I feel like you said, you know, I, I did feel bad for Strauss, like you said. Like I really was like, damn, I like this guy. It's just get some adversity. I mean, then he gets triangle choked. I thought for sure he'd be able to get out of that, and he did it, and I was like, All right, cool. Something's up here. Gotta bet they do Pitbull Curran again. I was wondering what was wrong with Pat Curran. I'm like, why isn't he? There's something not right here. Wait, we he fought over here. We broke his hand in the first round. A year and a half. Yeah, that too. I mean, it's, I thought to myself, now that makes sense. But he hit it. He hit it so well. I just thought his output was like, it's it's there, but it's not. It's just like, you've got, I mean, I'm, I'm still calling up Teixeira. Uh, mm-hmm. you got John Hurt. You do have John Hurt. Why aren't you going for the finish? And then second round and third round, I'm like, what's going on here? You got the scorecards. One of them read 30-26. I'm like, what did I miss here? Afterwards, social media, he's in the hospital, Uh, and then he posts the x-ray, busted hand. I'm like, okay. I just, like, I just know
0: that if Pitbull gets past Weichel, who he's fought before, hmm. of course, they're going to rematch him with Curran. They, they – so frustrating. The last three years has been like just that. Outside of the Ben Henderson fight and like Henry Corrales. But really, it's been longer than that. Like just,
2: ah. It's so Vinny, frustrating. Kenny Ferdinando, I officially hate you. We're no longer friends. Live chat, he just called me Showdown Pitbull Ferraro. It's over. <laughs> Can't be friends anymore, man.
0: Also, I think Carrington Banks' dominant win over Steve Gazola's. we talking about. We said that was going to answer a lot of questions about both guys. Yep. Yeah. Carrington Banks can get a finish, and Steve cazola has got some things to work on. Uh, Both are still outstanding prospects, though. But uh, Carrington Banks, if you're getting 30, 25 scorecards, you should
2: probably be finishing the fight. So question for you. I mean, obviously, we were talking a lot about Steve Cozzola heading into this fight. I didn't have a chance to watch it on Uh, Spike.com. Can you give us a quick recap as to what – did you have a chance to watch the fight, though? I didn't get to watch
0: all of it, but uh, I got to watch enough of it to – to realize yeah, it. it's been a crazy weekend we've had bellator we've got ufc tonight wwe tomorrow night and then hours after wwe we have new japan pro wrestling coverage so it's been slammed
2: hardcore you you guys on the wrestling side are beyond hardcore like yeah you can't compare the coverage you guys do over in the wrestling side or sorry we can't compare on the mma yeah. side to what you guys do on the wrestling side, covering all those events, it'd be like us not just talking about the UFC and Bellator. We'd be talking about Legacy, Titan, uh, One. Like It'd just be like, I, I would never sleep. We have a rare weekend off next
0: week. And even then, there's a Ring of Honor card on the wrestling end. And then we come back. I don't know how the hell we'll handle October 21st. I mean, that's that's a big weekend for Bellator because they got Musashi. And then the Poland show, which I'm sure that'll be in the afternoon. So. Yep. I think it's 3G, not, yeah. not so tough there. That That's that's a little more manageable. Because throughout the end of the year, the UFC doesn't have much mercy. I don't know if we'll do one after the Brazil show, maybe. I'll have to see which <laughs> fight. Because, you know, if Lyoto Machida and Damian Maya fall out of that show, we're not doing a podcast afterwards.
2: See, ya. that's not
0: happening. Yeah, I hear you that. Yeah, nobody's, nobody's going to tune in to hear us talk about Rob Font and Pedro Munoz, unfortunately. But damn, man. Yeah, like, and we're gonna, we're starting to add more and more content to the MMA side. I've pitched some ideas to Joe. I want us to, like, retro content is so in on the wrestling side. I want to see, like, a lot of that in the MMA side. That's why I always try to uh, help make that happen because there are so many stories. Uh Uh-huh. If any of
2: you Canadians that are on the chat right now or that are watching the show right now, uh, that w- they used to watch UFC Central, you know exactly where Sean's going with this. I mean, that's basically what UFC Central was. It yeah, wasn't just recapping and previewing fights. I would get my sit-downs with the UFC. I'd get the call from Schaller. I'd get the call from whoever, even before Schaller. You got this guy or girl for half an hour. Go ahead. Well, in half an hour, I am not just talking about your fight. I'm talking about where you came from. Yep. What were you doing before you got to MMA? Or if it was somebody big, walk me through when you fought this person over here, whether it was Tito, whether it was Chuck, whether it was whatever. So that's what that part of UFC Central was. We had all these kinds of different sort of almost retrospective, but just different angles, man. I would try and, tell, I would try and take the fighter at the time and get them to resonate with the viewer, not just as a fighter, but as a human being. Who are you? What do you do? talk about your kids, talk about your wife, talk about whatever, blah, blah. So was, we say have some amazing features back in the day. I love that type of thing. Retro content and pro wrestling is really
0: hot. Like I have, I always have. That's why I'll get random wrestlers that, that Jimmy will be like, really? Or is there any worth in you interviewing that guy? And I'm like, oh yeah, because they have years and years of stories from aspects that nobody has ever bothered asking them about. So why, why shouldn't I? why can't I? Why can't I get these stories? Why can't I get this insight from this guy like how they felt about something backstage before they walked out, or how did Vince McMahon react to this? How did they end up getting signed? What was the process like? uh what went wrong during their deal like things like that i love I love hearing things like that, and uh I think that's going to explode in m m a we're we're just at a weird position in m m a podcasting Joe because it's the reverse of pro wrestling podcasting. And you all are getting a glimpse behind the curtain here. Uh-oh, look out. Wrestling podcasting, it started out with fans doing podcasts and then journalists, well, and journalists doing podcasts too. Then the wrestlers started to pick it up. And then the wrestlers started to you've got like the Bruce Prichards and the Vince Russo's and Ryback and uh X-Pac and all these people that do wrestling podcasts now. But it started out that way. In MMA, they, I don't know if they picked it up quicker or slower because it really exploded with, like, oh, Michael Bisping has a podcast and it's real good. Chael Sonnen has a podcast and it's real good. Bruce Buffer has a podcast and it's real good. UFC does their own and it's real good. And, you know, you've always had like the Ariel Hawani and the MMA Junkie Radio and some like that, but. It's it's almost like the the other ones, like the the ones that we do, they they came in a little bit after all those. So it's weird to see that grow and change and evolve and how we consume content now. It's so much different than just a few years ago. It's so it's just it's fascinating to see and experience and all that. So yeah, guys, any recommendations you all have for us on the MMA side or the pro wrestling side. Hit us up on those forums. I love hearing it because anything you all want at the site, go over there and mention uh, on the forums. And Melissa is active. Melissa and lindsay they make this stuff happen. And uh, they always love hearing that, as I do too.
2: Absolutely. And for you guys that are listening in right now uh, and on the chat, if you want a fighter to join us on the Holy Smokes podcast, feel free to hit them up on Twitter. CC Sean and I. Tag them. Tag them. We want you. Tag them. On the Holy Smokes Podcast with Showdown Joe at Showdown Joe and at Sean Ross Sapp. Put some pressure on them. You know, because I'm talking to a bunch. Yeah. We're gonna have uh, we'll have some fun ones coming up in the next couple of weeks. Uh one of them is stirring controversy. Uh he'll be joining us. He'll be joining you yeah, know be joining us on Tuesday. Uh I'll be talking to him uh in a day or so. Um he's he's being a bad, bad gentleman. He's caused us some havoc. I won't say what division <coughs> well to wait, but he's it's a Chechnyan fella, isn't it? No, 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 no. He's uh He's causing trouble. He's 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 bitter. Bitter. And we're gonna have him on. I'm gonna make him even more bitter and get him to speak. But yeah, guys, get out there, man. Get out there. <laughs> Don't oh my god, you're gonna spam Chase Sherman. That'll be a disaster. But yeah, you guys want some uh, some of the fighters and some personalities to join Sean and I? Hit him up on social media. Tag us. Tag us. I'll get a hold of them. I wanna know who you guys want, and we'll do our best to get him on. If somebody say, like, college football,
0: at some point you have to look at strength of schedule with Demetrius Johnson. Uh, he faced, like, four or five
2: different guys who would have been flyweight champion if he weren't there. So, Very true. Very true. I just don't get why Demetrius is not getting the respect he deserves. Even after this performance, like, the guy's magical, man. He's amazing. Well, one, I think he needs to slow down when he talks
0: a little bit. That could help. Potentially. He needs to get some words out of his mouth before he starts the next one. But, yeah, I, I think that he has a lot of marketable qualities to him. I'm going to read through some of the the uh, post-fight presser recaps. You can catch all this at Fightful.com, guys. Johnson reiterates that he practices that in the gym, had it prepared for the Edmonton bout. Um, He says it's called the mighty arm bar. Got to do better than that. He didn't <laughs> mind being the co-main event. <laughs> woke up in Edmonton with an injury that he was going to fight through. So this is a blessing in disguise for him. True. Yep. When he's asked about private jets and flashy cars,
2: he says, I don't make that much money. a boy. Smart. Damn. Smart. Move the pawn up the chessboard. Good job, buddy. Verdun wants a title
0: shot. I don't think he gets it. Well, I, yeah, I don't think he gets it. Not over Overeem or Ngannou. What do you think?
2: No. He's not getting a tail shot. No way. He says that
0: he wants it based on his overall career. And he is one of the greatest heavyweights of all time. And that has to be crazy to go from fighting Mark Godbeer to one of the all-time greats in the division at the drop of a hat. And I hope that they not only paid Mark Godbeer, but get him scheduled real quick too. Because he deserves that double payday, in my opinion. Uh, Ray Borg uh, goes up to the podium, says that he'll learn from sharing the octagon with DJ, called the armbar sneaky, and that he laughed at him during the fight for pulling off sneaky shit and did not like being on the receiving end of it, you think. Uh And what What a lot of people forget, Ray
2: Borg is 24 years old. Both of the title match losers, 24 and 25. Well, that's what I was saying earlier on. We may look back at this, we're, we're at all right now. We may look back years from now when Ray Borg is probably one of the could be a champion. You never know. You know, four or five years from now, and look back and be like, Demetrius Johnson did that to him? So
0: Borg admitted that he cried after the loss, saying that if you didn't, if you don't, then doesn't mean that you or it means that you didn't want it. Lee sounds like he's having thoughts of moving up in weight and he's been battling a staph infection for a week. What do you think about that? Uh, as I looked, he is practically the same dimensions as Tyron Woodley, only he has a better reach.
2: Is he that? Yeah. Five nines. 15 pounds. That that extra
0: five, man, that's tough. But, I mean, they the same height, he has a little bit better reach. You know what, man? If you get him one win at welterweight,
2: one made- win at welterweight, he just said he wants a 165-pound weight class. What is it? He just said he wants a 165-pound weight I class. He should. He yep. should. He says he's 185 pounds right now. Oh, man. If he's 185 pounds, he could fight at, at, at welterweight. Welterweight, sure. George and used to walk around do, at 183. I would really
0: do that. It, Woodley's out until the middle of next year probably. Probably like May, I think. If Kevin Lee can fight in, like, January, which may be a stretch, January, February, put him in there against, hey, you know what? I, I, this is what I would do. If Donald Cerrone beats Teal, I would put Cerrone and Lee in there. In January, winner gets a title shot. That's what I would do because that's probably the best chance you have at getting a payday for Woodley, too. You got two guys that either the fans know or that can talk him into the building. I think that's the right move to make. Maybe maybe a Mosvidal if if he can get a win, who's he fighting? He's fighting Stephen Thompson. If he beats Stephen Thompson, that's a pretty big win. You could throw that on there. But I mean, the situation that you're in at welterweight, unless it's Rafael Dosanjos, you're going to you're going to be coming in there with Woodley against a guy who has like coming off of one win and a loss before that. No. He's going to take some time off. Uh says Lee, so it doesn't look like that'll be happening. Joe, anything else to tell the people before we go besides visiting fightful.com? If you all are I know that visiting a new MMA or wrestling website, it's a, it's a creature of habit type of thing.
2: Make us your habit. We'll treat you good. Uh I've only got one thing to say. I mean, Pearson, I mean Sean Pearson took a shot at me towards the end don't. Know, I don't know if we aired it on, on the Holy Smokes podcast. I may we may have edited it out. They said I look too skinny, uh, that I've lost too much weight. Well, I'm happy to say it is Thanksgiving weekend here in Canada. It is. I wanted to mention that. So tomorrow, I am endeavoring into being a fat guy because my mother-in-law doesn't seem to understand that we only need four or five courses uh, for Thanksgiving. Apparently, to her, it's an Italian thing. Where the table, it's probably about 12 feet long, is going to have dishes of food everywhere. And I will partake in eating every single thing that I can get my hands on, only because all I have to do on Monday uh, is some chores in the back, which is actually Thanksgiving Day. So I can burn some of those calories off so that on Tuesday at 3 p.m. Eastern for the Holy Smokes podcast, I continue to look, I will hopefully look like this. If I don't, And I'm a fat guy, I apologize, but I'm going to eat like an absolute madman tomorrow because (laughs) I've been so strict with my diet up until tomorrow, and I will just eat like a horse, and I don't care. And then Pearson can call me a fat guy, I don't care. Somebody on the chat says that uh, Julia Budd
0: is finally defending her title against Blanco. I I wouldn't say finally, it's nine months after she won it, I think that's reasonable. Yes, uh, happy Thanksgiving to all my Canadian friends. I feel a special connection to Canada. I love Canada. My trip to Toronto was one of my favorite trips of all time. Like I met so many good people and just warm-hearted people. One of the people that I I work with at Fightful uh, from the office actually messaged my wife and I to extend condolences for the tragedy that happened 2,000 miles away. And that's the that's the type of stuff you get from Canadian people. That type of of warm-hearted uh friendship and I really appreciated that and uh definitely thankful for uh Canada in general. Monday Columbus Day here, uh you know, fuck that day, honestly. You know. <laughs> just, just saying. Pardon my language. Uh, oh my got a lot of native friends, so uh to hell with that, uh, to hell with that day, but
2: Sorry, Sean, I put you on mute again because I just started hacking there because I'm, I'm still coming off of this cold here. But <laughs>
0: it's okay. What but in the yeah, Lord's actually, name? To hell with Christopher Columbus. Like, what do but, you do on Columbus um, Day?
2: What am I doing Columbus what, Day? What do Americans do on Columbus Day? I work. <laughs> I do on every holiday. See, Canadians would, do, would look, look for an excuse for that to drink. We would be drinking for sure. Someway, yeah, somehow. I mean,
0: I got to work Christmas and New Year's this year because WWE thought it was a hot idea to run shows that night. You're kidding me, right? Monday night RAW on Christmas? Christmas, Christmas night. Not as bad as Christmas Eve, so because usually my my stuff's winding down, but I might do a solo podcast that night. I'm not gonna like tell Alex, "Hey, guy, I know this is like your first Christmas with your kid, but I'm gonna need you on this podcast." I'm not gonna do that to him. Wow. So. But guys, until next time, follow Joe at Showdown Joe, follow me at Sean Sap. follow us at Fightful Online. Subscribe. We are on virtually every platform. But we have tons of videos on Fightful, exclusive interviews, uh, match clips from the wrestling side. We have show clips, tons of podcasts. Until next time, guys, we are out.